turning the world off, embracing the silence, walking away from all the voices that are screaming in my ear. I've been too caught up, I've been so stressed out, and all of the noise replaced the whisper that used to be so clear, so I close every door and put my face back on the floor and I'm in your arms where I belong there's no other place for me than right where you are some things just don't change when I call your name you never hesitate to wrap me in endless grace when I'm in your arms I'm letting my fears go giving you control for you are the one who holds me closer my soul's darkest night everything i see is so temporary so help me to run the race before me with eternity in sight now i close every door and put my face back on
hear me now? Okay, good morning. I wanted to share with you a few things today before we pray for our country, before we pray for those who have been hit so hard in Texas, in the Houston area. Before we do that, I want to share with you about uh, uh, our friends, Steve Safos and his wife. She had, <coughs> excuse me, she had a, last Tuesday, a surgery on her back. It was an extensive one, three and a half hours, and uh, the results are good. Uh, yesterday, I asked him to let me know about her, and he said, Adel, a lot of pain, but she will come through and she'll be able to walk a uh, normal uh, walk and she will be uh, going to, she's going to live a, a wonderful life without pain. Uh, an update on uh, uh, our dear uh, Mr. Thompson. Uh, his uh, daughter is here today and she tells me also that he is uh, getting better every day. He's back to the time where before he went to the ICU uh, at regional. So your presence, your, your prayers have been heard, and God answers prayers. And we hope to hear more and more that he's getting better. And I assure Karen here this morning, to t I told her, we expect him here at church. We expect him also to give uh, Bible studies too. So keep praying. I'm optimistic, you know that, because I have a God who's always, who's always answers prayers. Um, uh, let's keep ourselves in prayers for that, and let's not forget uh, these uh, wonderful uh, people. And uh, of course, you've uh, heard this morning that uh, our dear brother Daryl and his wife uh, will be leaving us. They couldn't live in California anymore, okay? Uh, though though uh, he spoke very highly about your church, let's keep it up, let's keep the love going. Let's keep the teaching according to the word of God. Let us not compromise, we will never, as long as we live here, compromise the word of God reigns supreme in this church. Amen? Amen. Amen. But uh, I received a very good uh, note from uh, a friend of mine about Harvey. The president this week, our president, our president this week announced that Sunday today is a day of prayer for those people who were stricken so bad by Harvey. Harvey is a bad name now. What do we do? <laughs> it used to be a good name. A friend of, my, of, of mine sent me this. There are thousands of men and women, either in Texas or anywhere else. They are on their way. They are going to stay in the Houston area Till no needs, till no one needs to be rescued, they have our thanks. Hundreds and hundreds of small boats pulled by countless pickups 
and SOOVs from across the South and America headed for Houston. Almost all of them driven by men and women. They are using their own property, sacrificing their own time, spending their own money, and risking their own lives for one reason, to help total strangers in desperate needs. It behooves us as a church to keep praying. And yes, Lord willing, we are going to financially help. We help for Katrina, we help for Sri Lanka, and this little church will do the same. I guarantee you that, and rest assured that we are, we are totally with those people there. These are victims of a certain disaster, this disaster of uh, catastrophic proportions. Many people are homeless, but rest assured there are everyday heroes who will put their lives on the line to rescue each and every stricken family in that area. They need our prayers. They need our support. And you know what? The Lord never left us nor left them. He is with us in good times and he's with us in bad times, right? Oh, our thanks. I don't want to forget our thanks to many who are still working at this very moment. Mainly the police officers, the firefighters, and also the first responders. I understand also that Franklin Graham was there with the vice president and they were helping and he's recruiting every, every uh, church that's willing to help to go there for the rescue or send, send money and help and clothes and food, whatever they can do. So our prayers with them and we will do our share. We will do our share and it will never go in vain. To rescue one person is very precious in the eyes of God. So please join me by bowing your heads. At this moment, I don't want to take more of the dean's time. He will cut his, uh, his message short. Don't worry about that. <laughs> let's, let's take a moment. Dean might not like it, but that's okay. Uh, for prayers. As I said here, we pray for FEMA. Let's pray for them, for the Coast Guards, for the armed forces who ran always to the rescue, the Red Cross, the churches, the myriads of community workers, the sport teams from every part of our nation, all of those courageous individuals who sacrificed their time and some of them sacrificed their lives for the rescue of thousands of displaced individuals in this stricken area who lost everything they have. Our Father, as we together lift up our 
hearts, we pray, and we ask for mercy that we do not deserve, and pray that you keep your eyes of love upon us all. We acknowledge our lack of strength in the face of this catastrophe, but you are able, and uh, as the hymn writer said, you are more than able to save, to comfort, to rescue these families in those areas who are in shelters with unknown futures. We beseech you, almighty God, to have mercy on your people and help those who are putting their lives in danger day and night. Help them to continue the work, the churches, all the hands that join together, regardless of the differences that we have in this country. This is a time where we should unite all together, pray, work, and help with every means that we have. We seek your help, your compassion, your mercy, and your love. Lord, at this hour, we need you. Our nation needs you. This is a day of prayer. May the prayers of this little church and all the believers across this wonderful nation, all the prayers be heard by you. And keep these families that were scattered, that lost everything, keep them safe and find shelters and homes for them to return to. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Dean, I'm sorry to take that time, but we needed, we needed to join hearts. We're thankful that we can be here in the presence of the Lord today. Thank you for Taylor's song. Wasn't it a beautiful one? You know, we can't do that very often, can we? Tune out the world. Wouldn't that be something if we could just tune out the world completely and not have to deal with it at all? But thank God he's placed us here to be a blessing in this world. He's given us jobs. He's given us schools. He's given us places to go every day. And he wants us to be a blessing. And he wants to not allow the world to overcome us, but he wants us to overcome the world. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today for our country, and we thank you that when these tragedies strike and when these catastrophes happen, that people rally together as a country, neighbors helping neighbors, brothers helping brothers throughout this country, and it's always been that way. We thank you that it's, America is a land of freedom and opportunity, and we're one people, Lord, and we pray that you will help us with our differences, and we pray for our nation, we pray for our president, we pray for all those in need down in Texas and Louisiana and all through the Gulf Coast down there that's been affected. Pray for the Christians especially, Lord, that you'll gather them together and help them to pray, and we pray for them and pray that we will continue praying. 
And so, Lord, hide me behind the cross and just pray that your word would encourage our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So something happened yesterday that's never happened before. I had prepared the message, the whole thing, and I was a little bit early. I had a lot of things to do, ready for the, get ready for the picnic tomorrow and everything. And I said, Lord, I've got it almost all prepared. Everything's ready. Go have lunch. Come back. Just put the conclusion together. Print it. Guess what? I lost it all. I mean, I didn't lose a little of the message. I lost the whole message was gone. It's like the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is Raiders of the Lost Message. <laughs> but they found the ark, but it's somewhere hidden in government storage, but I couldn't get the message. But the Lord gave me the message, and so praise God, we'll continue on and thank the Lord for that. You know, when Roman youth reached manhood, they used to put on them what was called the toga virilis, which is a robe of manhood. It was a ceremonial day for all the Romans when they reached manhood. It was a great day for them. It was symbolic that they had reached manhood. And when the Hindi youth reach a certain age of manhood and certain castes, they would have a celebration also, and they would put on them a, a special uh, cord. And I can't really pronounce it too well, but it's the Yagnopavitam or a special cord, which symbolized they had reached manhood in their culture. But for us as believers, we have something totally different. It's not something outward, like a cord or something like you put on you, but we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is symbolic of the fact that we have taken him as our Lord and as our Savior, and that we have made a commitment to follow him, no turning back. And when we reach that point in our lives that we're saved and we're ready for heaven, we can rejoice. We can rejoice. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, it tells us that when the believers were baptized, and that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they took on the Lord Jesus Christ. They owned him as Lord and Savior and had a personal relationship with him. And that's something that we can have as well. And the title of our message is, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me if you would, and Ed will put it on the screen. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. And we'll read it all together in the New King James Version. Here Paul writing to the Romans says, And do this knowing the time, that now it is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And can't we say that? It's nearer. His coming is nearer. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Verse 13. Let us walk properly or decently as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I read a story about a young man who got saved. He was a Roman, and he was the son of a prominent Roman by the name of Augustine Monica. And his life before was not a good life. He was like a prodigal. He was a profligate son. 
And yet he got saved. And he came to know the Lord Jesus as his Savior. And the text that he had at his conversion was this text that we're reading this morning. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. He was a changed man. Amidst the Romans that were always looking for other gods and they were always looking for different luxuries and things of this world, he stood out because he took his stand for the Lord Jesus. And so many in that day were put to death when they gave their lives to Christ. The question for us today is this. Have you personally put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you personally taken him as your Savior? Have you personally said, Jesus is Lord, and not just Lord, but he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my King. And when we do that, we show forth to the world that we belong to him. And our lives are different. The way we speak is different. The way we live is different. Our attitudes are different. Our motives are different when we get saved. He changes everything. And we've all gone through it when we've accepted Christ, how he has changed us. We haven't changed ourselves. We have no power to do that. Only the Holy Spirit can get hold of a person's heart and a hold of their lives and change them. And he'll do that if we surrender to him, if we accept him as Lord and Savior and ask him to come into our lives. The first thing we're going to look at today is, number one, awake from sleep. Number two, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Number three, walk properly or decently. And number four, put on Christ. And when we do these things, we will show forth to the world that we are genuine Christians. In so many ways today, I think the church is asleep. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? Christians, even Christians, even born-again Christians, are sleeping. It's like a huge giant that has all the power. The church is powerful. The, church is, the Lord is with us, but we've fallen asleep. We've forgotten what the true mission of the church is to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all nations and to win people to Christ. We have forgotten what it's like to be fully committed to the Lord. So you go to many churches today to be entertained. You go to many churches today and they have uh, refreshments and things of entertainment and there's nothing wrong with those kinds of things. They're not sinful in themselves. But when you don't preach the word of God in its purity, it's not good. And that's why I think so many Christians today are asleep. They're asleep. And so the Lord says, wake up. Now hopefully, like Adel always says, nobody's going to be sleeping this morning. But if you are, wake up. Wake up. Because God wants us to hear a message that he has for us, that he wants us to awake from our sleep take our lives in Christ seriously, be fully committed to him in every way, and allow him to have full reign in our lives. If we do that, we will not be asleep. You know, it's amazing how the early Christians, Peter and John, when they were up at some of the most crucial times in, in, with the Lord Jesus, they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there was Moses, and there was... Elijah and all these things were happening there and they saw the Lord transfigured before them. It says they were asleep. They were asleep. And then 
When things got really rough and the Lord Jesus was about to go before his accuser, he was going to be arrested in the garden, and he went to pray and he agonizingly prayed, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he prayed it three times. He came back and he found them asleep. This is literal sleep. We're talking about today spiritual sleep. It's much worse. It's much worse. And we see it around us today in so many places. God wants us to wake up. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That little expression, redeeming the time, buy it back. You know, when you waste time, you can never get it back again. I've always heard people use that expression, and it makes me cringe when I hear it. Well, what are you doing? I'm just killing time. Just killing time. I've got nothing else to do. Just killing time. I feel like saying, you're a murderer. You're a murderer. You're killing time. You're not going to get it back again. And it's true. If we waste our time, if we squander it, if we lose it, you're never going to get it back again. And God wants us to wake up, see all the opportunities around us to serve him and to bring the gospel to people. It is very, very important. So that's the first thing we have to do. Awake from sleep. Awake from sleep. You know, if sometimes you're sleeping in a nice uh, sound sleep and all of a sudden something wakes you up, it startles you, you wake out of a sleep, and sometimes you have a hard time falling back asleep. But we need to spiritually be awake because God says in his word, I never slumber nor sleep. And we shouldn't be either. We should be on the alert always, especially in these last days. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If that was said about Paul's day, that the days were evil, how about multiplying that by today, how the days are evil? The things that we see on television, the things that are happening in the news, in our country and throughout the world, should just drive us to our knees because it's so sad and it's so sinful what people are doing. May God speak to people's hearts. Secondly, we're to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. You know that you as a Christian today, as sitting here, you have two natures. You have an old nature and you have a new nature. Now, these two natures exist in the believer until we go home to be with the Lord. Unfortunately, we can't get rid of that old nature, can we? It's there, it's with us, but the Bible says that we can Cast it off. We can cast off the work of darkness. We can put off the old man or the old nature. But it takes commitment to the Lord. We have to do it with his help. We have to deny the flesh and crucify the flesh and put it to death. Because it wants to rear its head up every so often in our lives and make things come out terrible for us. And when you look at inside your heart, you can see that there's nothing good inside us apart from what the Lord has done in our lives and given us the Holy Spirit. Paul even said in Romans 7, 18, these words, and this is the Apostle Paul now, the great Apostle, super saint, super missionary and Apostle. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. 
For to will is present with me, but to perform, how to perform what is good I did not find. Paul recognized that in himself, as hard as he tried, he could not change himself. Only the Lord could change him. Only the Lord can change you. It can change, he can change me if we're willing. You can dress up the flesh all you want and make it look good, but it's still that old, ugly nature, and it comes out, doesn't it? It comes out sometimes in the words we say. Sometimes it comes out in the actions that we have. Sometimes it comes out in the attitudes that come across to people. But the Lord wants to change us. He wants us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. And that's a process of taking the old nature and casting it off, putting it off, and putting on the new nature is what he wants us to do. That's why I love that verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I probably told you the story before when I got saved. This was the verse that I got saved with, this verse right here. And so I went to the DMV and I wanted to have on my license plate 2COR517, but somebody else already had it. It wasn't even a personal plate. So I ended up with John 8.12, which is a great one too. But this verse is so powerful. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you haven't memorized that verse, please memorize it. It'll be good for you, and it'll be good for you people who you share with, because it's powerful. It says you're a new creation. When you accept Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new man or a new woman. And we have to put off and cast off the works of darkness. I think we can all agree that the world is full of darkness today, can't we? Whether it's here in the Bay Area, which is liberal, very liberal. I can see, Daryl, I can see why you want to move out of California. I work in San Francisco, believe me, and you could follow me around and meet some of the people I work with, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And there's a lot of liberalism in Bay Area, California, and on the other coast in certain places too. But in a lot of this country, there's still a lot of mainstream churches that preach the gospel. And we thank God for them. We thank God for the pastors. We thank God for their messages that go forth. Uh, people like uh, Billy Graham is still there. We have Charles Stanley. We have so many godly men that are preaching the word. And I thank God for them. And it's really a blessing. And so we have to put off before we can put on. You've got to put off the old nature and put on the new nature. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says that you put off concerning the former, your former conduct the old man which goes corrupt according to the deceitful riches and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and true holiness. He talks about here casting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light. Light in Scripture speaks of holiness. It speaks of righteousness. And when we walk in the light, we walk like the Lord walked. We walk the way He did. And that's what He wants us to do. And you know, when you walk in the light, you're going to make people uncomfortable. Not by what you're saying or you're not judging them or anything like that. All you're doing is you're living Christ before them in true righteousness and holiness. And all of a sudden, they're not comfortable. Because all of a sudden they're afraid to talk. They don't want to tell you a joke because they're going to they'll offend you. And then they, they're very careful. They don't want to swear because they know you're a Christian. 
And so we're not very popular nowadays because people are convicted by our lives. Jesus said it well in John 3, 19 to 21. He said, this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and then men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why they don't like the light. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they've been done in God. You know, it's sad to say, but they were talking in San Francisco this week. They want to open the bars now until 4 a.m. in the morning. It's 2 o'clock right now. It's already too late. People out drinking, and then they drive after that. It's horrible. But now they want to extend the hours, two more extra hours, to be open till 4 o'clock. And I always thought about this. Why do they want to do that? Because people sin in the darkness. They sin under the cover of darkness, and so it's still dark around that time at 4, and so they can do things which they think are not seen. They can go and do things that are not seen, and yet, guess what? The seeing eye of God sees them already. And so when they try to hide it from God, they cannot do it. No way can they do it, because they, God sees everything. I like the fact that we are light bearers. We're those who are to bear the light, and we're to put on the armor of light, and we're to go out and be a testimony to others. The story is told of a young lady named Mary, and she had just gotten saved, and she had a very uh, nice but worldly aunt who was looking out for her well-being in the world, and so she said to her, you know, your new religion has spoiled you, Mary. You will never shine in good society now, said the worldly lady to her niece, who had been brought to decision for Christ a few months before, and who was manifesting her new life in a walk becoming the gospel of Christ. She said, I'm seeking grace to shine as a light for God in the midst of a dark and evil world, auntie, and I'll get into good society very soon, the society of saints and angels. And my, in my father's house on high was the answer that she gave. Yes, Christ spoils you, those who receive him as Savior and Lord, for this world's society. There's no room in society for Jesus, and there will be no room for his followers either. And we're seeing it today. There's no room for Jesus, and there's no room for his followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus, don't tell us about it. Keep quiet. Be politically correct. Don't rock the boat, don't make waves, don't cause problems, just be quiet about it. We as Christians can't do that because we're born again. He's put it in our hearts, we have to share it. We have to be light, we have to be salt. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, these beautiful words, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then he tells us that he wants us to walk properly or decently. You know, everywhere you look, there's sin in everywhere. And we're having so many problems with it nowadays. Problems among teenagers. Problems among adults. Among older people. Everyone. Sin is everywhere and it's become the new norm. It's okay. Whatever you do is okay. There's no standards. There's no right or wrong anymore. People do what they want to do, and it's sad. 
And for us as Christians, we have to take a stand. Ado mentioned compromise today. We cannot compromise, ever. Whether here at church or when you go to work or you go to school, you have to stand. And when you, put your, when you draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm a Christian and here's my stand, it's automatically going to make you a target. People are going to watch you, they're going to listen to you, and they're going to see if that line is going to stay there or if the line is going to kind of be worn off over time and then how you don't see the line so much anymore or that line that was nice and clear and straight has now kind of backtracked and it's closer to the world now before. We can't. We can't. Not only is it a bad testimony, but it's bad for us spiritually, for us to compromise with anything like that. And then he says at the last part of this verse, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I like what Bill McDonald said in his commentary on Romans 13, 14. He says, the best policy we can follow is first of all to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This means that we should adopt his whole lifestyle. Live as he lived, accept him as our guide and as our example. Secondly, we should make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The flesh here is the old corrupt nature. It incessantly, and I like what he says here, it incessantly cries to be pampered with comfort, with luxury, with illicit sexual indulgence, empty amusements, worldly pleasures, dissipation, materialism, etc. And isn't that so true today? Christians are asleep. They're involving themselves in these kinds of things and getting off track spiritually, and the devil has got his hand in so many things nowadays. So that's what he's doing. And yet, when God converts a true person to Christ, he changes them completely. The story is told of, of St. Augustine. I like what, the, what was said about him because before he got saved, truly saved, he lived a life of sin. And so when he got saved, he took a priority of putting the spiritual above the physical and putting Christ first in his life. And they say, as the story goes, ever since he was known as St. Augustine. And we know that every person who gets saved is a saint. Now, we're not perfect. We're not going to do everything perfectly. But when we have Christ in our lives, we are a saint. We're set apart for him. We're separated from this world, and he wants us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You know, when you get up in the morning, what do you do? You get dressed, right? You get dressed, and you put on your clothes to go off to work or school or whatever it is. Well, as Christians, every day before we leave, we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to put on the armor of light. And it goes underneath our spiritual armor that Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. So really, what this is, is the under armor, like there's a brand called under armor. For the Christian, the under armor is the Lord Jesus Christ and the armor of light. And then over that, we put all this spiritual armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the gospel sandals, all of that. We put it on and we take the sword of the spirit and then we're ready. But if we go out and we're not ready, then the devil can pick us off. He can get those flaming arrows at us all the time. And so we have to be ready because the flesh can ruin our lives. It can destroy us. 
and we have to be on guard 24-7. Some of the last words the Lord spoke before he went to go to the cross to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when we were talking about that before. He said this in, in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you enter, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. May the Lord help us today to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Don't give the flesh an inch, because what will it do? It'll take a mile. If you give the flesh a little opening, like the door is open, have you ever gone off to, from your house and you left the door ajar? The door was locked, but it was left ajar. All the person would have to do to get in your house is just push in the door. That's what Satan wants to do. When we leave the door a little open, we kind of compromise a little bit. We are not careful in our walk, in our words, in our actions. We kind of take it, we're slacking. We're not committed. That door is like a jar and the devil can just push his way right in and he can come in and wreak havoc in our lives. May the Lord help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Let's wake up. It says here, awake from sleep. Cast off the works of darkness. Put them off. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. And put on the armor of light. And walk properly or decently. As Christians, we have a responsibility. And then put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to fulfilling its lust. You say, Dean, that's a convicting message. It is. As I was preparing this message yesterday, I was saying, Lord, this is convicting. This is something we need to hear. And sometimes we need to hear things that are not easy for us to receive. This is one of them. We get convicted. And if we get convicted, that's good as long as you act on the conviction and allow Christ to change your life. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision, not even a little provision, for the flesh in regard to its lust, shall we pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us from our sins. We pray for anyone here today that has not received the Lord Jesus as Savior, that they will come to realize that in all their efforts to be good and to try hard and to please you, it's all for naught because we can't do it, Lord. In us dwells no good thing. We're sinners, Lord. We, we need salvation. And we pray that anyone here that doesn't know you will come to know you today and bow their heads and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I trust you as my Savior. Come into my life and change me. And you'll do it, Lord. And we pray for those who are believers, Lord. Help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Help us to live holy and godly lives, sincerely, Lord. Help us to be committed to you. Help us to wake from our sleep, to get our spiritual house in order, Lord, we don't know when you're coming. It's coming soon. We know we're living in the last dark days. And we pray that we will be on the alert, that we will watch and pray. And we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank God. Thank you.